Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. As you know, in the past uh, couple of weeks, I've been concentrating on the wonderful feast days that occur in this month of June. And I do that not only to awaken our attention into the meaning of those feast days, but to raise a, a more general question about how, in fact, we experience a calendar, a calendar that marks the passage of time and the emergence and waning of particular seasons. But knowing the feast days allows us to realize that the calendar of the Catholic faithful has a different character. And in fact, the holy days, the feast days, are often the marking points in that calendar. I remember as a child how we used to mark the passage of the seasons and of time by the feast days. Easter was always the waning of winter and the beginning of spring. Pentecost as the waning of spring and the beginning of summer. The Feast of the Assumption was marking the end of summer and especially of vacation time and a time of preparation for the beginning of a new school year. In fact, this was generally a, a part and experience of any Christian culture. I was recently reading a piece of Russian literature in which the characters in one of the stories kept uh, making uh, Statements like, well, that came just around St. Peter Day. And uh, in the uh, Orthodox Church, it's the same feast as the Catholic uh, feast of Saints Peter and Paul. Or they would say, well, we can't get uh, to that point until St. Mark's is here. And it's, it's a, a wonderful uh, thing, but we have, in fact, become more and more attuned simply to a secular calendar in which even the national holidays now are removed from the day in which they were originally celebrated to go to Friday or Monday to uh, make it more convenient and give you a three-day weekend, weekend. My first experience of a really deeply Catholic culture came when I was uh, a student. I was finishing my doctoral work in Bavaria, that large state in southern Germany. Bavaria, in which Catholicism was a part of everyday life. In fact, the major holidays in the church calendar were state holidays in, in Bavaria. Corpus Christi, I remember particularly well, it was a holiday. But the day that I think I will always remember in uh, Bavaria was Ascension Thursday. Now, I still uh, have not completely understood why that was transferred to a Sunday, especially since the prayers of the Mass mentioned that it was 40 days after the resurrection. But in Bavaria on Ascension Thursday... It was the tradition to attend Mass in the morning and then take a hike up to one of your favorite monasteries that surrounded the city of Munich 
and taste their newly brewed beer. And you had a very nice uh, luncheon. And in, in Bavaria, so much of the life surrounded those uh, Christian uh, feast days that even in Lent, there was a special tradition in Bavaria. As you probably know, Bavarians have a, a very, very deep uh, concern and love for their beer. And every Lent, when it came around, many of the breweries produced what they called a stark beer, a fortified beer. That was to help you get past the uh, fasting of Lent. The stark beer, the strong beer, packed quite a punch. I don't know if it actually substituted for uh, perhaps a drawing back in the amount of food during Lent, but it certainly seemed to make the days pass more quickly. But uh, in so many of their daily habits, in their interest, even in some of the humor that you heard in Bavaria, there was a sense that only uh, in a Catholic culture could this take place. In Bavaria, there was a brewery by the name of Salvator Brewery. Salvator being the uh, Latin term for savior. And their advertisement and their billboards showed this rather smiling, rotund uh, friar holding up a stein of their beer. And the motto along the bottom was, Es gibt nur einen Salvator. There is only one Savior. <laughs> and it was the Salvator beer. And I think only in a Catholic culture could uh, that have uh, come off. But uh, one of the major feast days in the month of June was always the feast of St. John the Baptist. Now, normally it is celebrated on the 24th of June, but this year, because the Feast of the Sacred Heart occurs on that Friday, uh, the 24th, the Feast of St. John was transferred to today, the 23rd of, of June. And that feast day is marked in many parts of the Catholic world as not only a holy day, but a holy day of obligation in some parts, a kind of state holiday. I know this is true in Quebec and in, in Canada. John the Baptist is remembered in our Catholic life and in our Catholic liturgy with actually two celebrations. In fact, John the Baptist is the only person outside of Jesus and Mary to be commemorated both in their birth and in their death. And in that figure of John the Baptist, we have an extraordinary example of Christian life, an, exa an example of dedication to, to God, to his commandments, and to his life. And there are wonderful lessons to be learned. The first lesson that John the Baptist taught was that profound sense of providence, that the, is the care with which God traces his, his finger through the history of the human people. How, in fact, 
the way in which he wants history to be shaped may be mysterious to us, but suddenly we realize, in fact, this is part of the way that God intended our human life to be and and the destiny that we have. And we are told that from the very moment of conception, of course, John the Baptist was chosen by God to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. But I think it is a moment for us to consider the power of providence in our own lives. After all, as one French uh, theologian remarked, There's no such thing as coincidence. A coincidence is merely an event in which God wants to remain anonymous. The second lesson, I think, to learn from St. John the Baptist is that complete dedication to the proclamation of the gospel, to form one's whole life around that gospel account in the meaning of the declaration of the coming of the Messiah. And it is not only a complete dedication to that proclamation of the gospel. It is also an indication that we have to prepare to receive it when it is proclaimed to us to draw deeply into our lives. And for that reason, John the Baptist came preaching not only the coming of the Messiah, but in preparation for that coming, to repent to seek forgiveness of sin, to purify our hearts and minds, to receive that gospel not only when it is proclaimed, but when it is fulfilled. For in John the Baptist, we have an end and a beginning. John the Baptist, throughout the tradition of the Church, has been seen as the kind of completion of the Old Testament, especially of Old Testament prophecy. And uh, drawing near it uh, to the end of that completion, John looked forward then to how that completion of the promises of the Old Testament were to be uh, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But I think because of the uh, position of John the Baptist as that bridge between the Old and the New Testaments, The Christians from the very beginning, at least the Orthodox Christians, uh, that is those who remain true to the authentic gospel, wanted to not only preserve the Old Testament as part of the Christian scriptures, but to honor and revere it, not uh, only as a precursor to Jesus, but as a sign and a symbol of the history of God's love for his people. But we have to realize that, uh, in the end, the uh, figure of John the Baptist is probably best known for the manner of his death. There is also a, a feast day in August on the 29th known as the Passion of John the Baptist. And remembering him as a martyr, it's interesting to remember also that he was not specifically martyred for his preaching. For after all, in the Gospel of Mark, we are told that King Herod was rather attracted to how he uh, heard John the Baptist preach. But because of his uh, connection with his wife Herodias, 
who actually was in an invalid marriage, according to Jewish law, to Herod. Herod found himself the object of the condemnation proclaimed by John the Baptist for violating the law of marriage. John the Baptist was a martyr to the protection and defense of the meaning of marriage. And it was for that reason that he was eventually beheaded. But John the Baptist, I think, has a particular meaning for our lives in the here and now, in uh, the year 2022. There is, in our own culture today, profound challenges to the meaning of human life, to the meaning of marriage, to the meaning of our destiny. It even is a challenge to the meaning of our language and how we communicate and how we interrelate one to each other. And realizing those challenges, I think following the example of John the Baptist, we too are called to be prophetic to continue to proclaim what is true, because it is only in knowing and living the truth that we come to understand the dignity and the purpose and the fulfillment of human life. So that as we come to celebrate St. John the Baptist, let us recommit ourselves not only to remembering him, his meaning and message, but also to emulate him in our own time and place. For in this way, we will continue to proclaim the presence of Jesus Christ, but also continue to speak about his second coming and the culmination of all human history and the fulfillment of all promises made to us.